You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. So the next six weeks, we're talking about happiness and habits that you can create in your life that will increase your level of happiness. Does that sound appealing to anybody? Uh, I will promise going through this series that I will not be gloom. I'll try to be happy about sharing happiness with you. Uh, But we're going to be talking about things about how to be happy no matter what in your life happens. Circumstances come. How do we have happiness? Uh, We'll discuss how to to reduce conflict in your life and how to avoid that people rob you of happiness. How many know that people can rob us of our happiness? If you're around negative people, they can take away your happiness like that. Look, if somebody, if I cook a meal for somebody and immediately they say one thing negative, it takes away everything I just did for the last hour and a half cooking, right? Right? Exactly. Moms know. Even if it's dark brown. They, even if it's burnt to a crisp. No, I'm just kidding. I, I'm not no, talking about you, Robin. I've had some of your bread. It was really good. Uh, but my cooking, even if sometimes I burn something or have some, you know, it's, it's always better to have a positive comment first, right? And it just takes that happiness right out of you because you might want to do something for somebody that's really good and then they say, ah, I just, I just can't accept that, you know? And that's just one of the things that kind of knocks. So how to avoid people robbing you of happiness? How to keep our heart happy and live uh, lives that are full of Christ's joy? But I like to start off with something a little light and funny. And I heard a story of a man that called the church office and he said, can I speak to the, to the, uh, the head hog at the trough? He calls the church and says that. And the secretary was kind of offended. And she was taken back. She said, if you mean the pastor, sir, then you need to refer to him as the pastor. But you may not refer to him as the head hog in the trough. And the man said, well, that's fine. But I was planning on giving $10,000 towards the building fund. She, the secretary responded and said, wait just a second. Porky just walked in. Now, happiness is defined as a mental state or emotional state of well-being by positive or pleasant emotions that can range from contentment to intense joy. Now, would you agree that everybody wants to be happy? Most everybody in life wants to be happy and they're searching for happiness. Everyone wants to be happy and live a fulfilled life. Because not many people start off in life or in marriage or in friendships and relationships and say, gee, I just want to have a terrible marriage. I just want to have a terrible, disappointing, disheartening, never happy marriage, right? Nobody starts out like that. Everybody starts out with good intentions. But how do we keep those intentions good? How do we keep the happiness up? Now, uh, as shared from Pastor Rick Warren, there's five laws of happiness, but today I'm just going to briefly highlight three of them. Uh, And the first one is this. Happiness is not a goal. Happiness is not a goal. Happiness is the result of right thinking, uh, right doing, right living, right acting. It's a byproduct of all that. Happiness is not a goal. You will live a self-centered life if you are looking for happiness and you make happiness a goal. If you make it all about you, and if you make it all about your happiness, sometimes and most times you're going to be disappointed. So the second thing that is this, my habits create my happiness. It's one of the laws of happiness again. My habits create my happiness. We shape our habits, would you agree? We have effect on what we let in our lives and how we uh, you know, turn things around, and, and we, we control that. Now, uh, many of you know that I had a... Um, 
I'd started like a, uh, a weight loss diet group in January, and it went pretty good. Uh, you know, for me, it went really good. But when, you, when you're in that group and you're staying accountable to other people, they say it takes 66 days to form a new habit. And, and, and my two-week diet didn't last long enough to form a habit. I'll let you know. <laughs> 66 days hadn't pa- pa- passed since the first year yet. Uh, so we all know that habit did not last, uh, courtesy of Bojangles this morning. I brought it for you. And you'll hear other stories later that, that's kind of funny dealing with food. But anyway, uh, your habits are yours. They're created by you. They might be helped created by your family or some situations and habits around you. We were talking about this morning about donuts. Don't ask me why. But, you know, if two people in my house really love donuts, we'd be messed up because only one person in my house really loved donuts. Uh, if we had two, it would be a mess. But think about working, your worth, work ethic, all those other things, food in your life, exercise, habits that you have, biting your nails, picking your nails, whatever habits you have. Who formed, and all the women are looking at the men right now, I see it. <laughs> My wife be kicking me when I sit there, say the same thing. But those habits, who were they formed by? They were formed by us. So they can also be uh, changed. My habits create my environment. They create my happiness. So we have to create good habits. It can also be applied to your spiritual life. Your spiritual habits are yours. Nobody else can be responsible for that. You can get up in the morning and start the day with, with the Lord in prayer and reading Scripture. I can't do that for you. I can encourage you to do that, but I can't make you do that. It's not my habit, right? So your habits are yours. And then the third law is this. Don't look for happiness. Create it. Don't look for happiness. Create it. Happiness can exist wherever you are in whatever circumstance if you looked hard enough. I've, Man, I've been in so many situations uh, with people that have lost, like a spouse or something, being with a chaplain with the police department, sheriff's department, seeing la- ladies who have just lost a spouse look at it and still be happy and still be positive. Uh, you know, their husband, you know, fell over dead and, and they had no idea, but, but he left such a good legacy to his children so he, sh- she can be happy about that. You know, they found happiness where they were. You know, it's not always a good time in life. Sometimes life sucks, right? Sometimes life hurts. Sometimes we have brokenness in our families and in our homes. But we can still find happiness through the Lord. The scripture today comes from the book of Philippians. uh, And we'll start reading in chapter 1. And Paul wrote this book to the Philippian church at Philippi, obviously. uh, But it's it's said to be the happiest book uh, in the Bible, which is good news for us, right? good news for us because we're talking about happiness but look at philippians chapter one to god's holy people in christ jesus at philippi together with the overseers and deacons grace and peace to you from god our father and the lord jesus christ i thank my god every time i remember you in all my prayers for all of you i always pray with joy it's because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share it in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depths of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, 
filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Now, Paul, in writing this letter, was a man who had persecuted and killed Christians. That was his primary job before he met Jesus. He was a persecutor and a, and a, a person who just wanted to get people dead and, and accountable for following Christ. And then he actually came to follow Christ himself. But with that, Paul became a writer of the majority of the New Testament. And his writings are so passionate and they're so good because we can read and learn a lot. But even though he had specific concerns that you see there about their Christian growth, he still uh, was brought to joy and happiness because of God's call on their life. And we can learn something from that. Even though there were some shortcomings that he had, he was still full of happiness. He was still full of joy. He was still full of anticipation of what they were going to do in their lives. We can also learn from that. And you know, the, the interesting thing about this book is, you know, it's labeled as the happiest book in the Bible. But guess what? Paul was in prison when he wrote this letter. Paul was bound up in chains, and you just heard it in verse 8 and 9. Paul was bound up in chains when he wrote this letter. And so he's being a lot more positive than I would be in prison, right? He's being a lot more positive. But how much of us, how many of us could apply this to our own lives, to our own church life, our family life, our culture, our community? could apply this principle to our life of happiness no matter what we are dealing with. You know, uh, I can find happiness in a lot of things. And a lot of people like to complain instead of be happy, right? You ever heard complainers? They're not fun to be around, negative people. I have some people in my family that every time uh, you do something for them or they go somewhere, it's not good enough. The food won't hot enough. It didn't taste as good as last time. That show wasn't good. The church service wasn't good. The pastor didn't preach as good as last time. It went a little long. Music was loud. Music was different. I didn't like it. You know those kind of people? I could keep going because I've heard it. <laughs> Interestingly enough, though, happiness doesn't have to come from a song preference. Happiness doesn't have to come from a pastoral preference. Happiness doesn't have to come from a, a, a style of music. Happiness can come from you knowing that the gospel is going forward and shared with people who've never heard it before. Happiness is coming from the fact that God's being glorified, God's being honored, and we ought to magnify that and lift that up. You can choose what to focus on. When people's lives are being saved, that makes me happy. When people's lives are being changed, that's what makes me happy. So there's a few relational habits of happiness that we want to talk about today. There's actually four uh, points. You should see them in your notes today. And I'm going to jump right in and say number one is this. I must be thankful for the people in my life. I must be thankful for the people in my life. Now, look at verse 3 and 5. It says, I thank my God every time I remember you. He's saying, literally, every time you come to my mind, the first thing I do is thank God. If there's people in your life, is the first thought that comes to your, your mind gratitude? When you think of Pastor Daniel, when you think of Paul, when you think of Pastor Paul, when you think of, uh, of others in the church, is the first thing that comes to your mind gratitude. When you think of your spouse and your children and your co-workers, is the first thing that comes to your mind gratitude more often than not that answer is not really true but here's how we change that we have to be thankful for people 
in our life. You know, God placed those people in your life's, uh, life for a reason. God placed those people in your life to be honored and to be lifted up. And so some people in our lives won't be there very long. I've come to know this. There's a season for friendship that sometimes comes and goes. There's some friends that might last throughout the years, 10, 15 years. There, there might be some friends that you only meet and be, be friends with for six months before they move away. Uh, you know, growing up in a military town, you know, a lot of friends moved. A lot of people moved away, right? And, and the same thing can be said for ministry. People move around. But our happiness is not based on, on people, obviously. But we need to be thankful for the people and thankful for God who placed them in your path. And I think the key here is this, especially when it comes to relationships with our family, is that the longer you know somebody, the easier it becomes to take them for granted. The longer you're in a relationship with a spouse or a cho- child or uh, uh, a co-worker or whatever it may be, it's harder to be grateful for them because they're always there. And, you know, recently I've, I've dealt with some loss in the family and, and it was just unexpected and that kind of thing. And it's just like, wow, how much do we not appreciate those people in our life because we never know when that time is that they might not be here anymore. And so I've come to know this, that it's easier to remember bad times than it is to remember happy times. It's easier to remember those bad things than it is to remember the good things. And we have to work at it. We have to try. But how do we do that? Well, we develop a habit when we remember people in our life and our first thought is gratitude. That's one of those habits of happiness that we have to uh, come up with in our own heart and in our own life. We have to be thankful for people in our life like Craig. We have to be thankful for people in our life like Bernie or David or whoever it may be. We have to be thankful for them in our life. Why is that? Because if not, we'll take them for granted and we won't be very happy. Paul had every reason not to be happy for the people in Philippi because he was being beaten and tortured and in chains, obviously, just like we said. But he was thankful for them, first of all. That's the first thing out of his mouth. I am thankful for you. I am thankful of God's work for you. The second point is this. Not only do we have to be thankful for them, but we have to pray with joy for the people in my life. I have to pray with joy for the people in my life. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy, with happiness, with the best in mind. Paul wants the best in mind. And if you notice in his writings, he is always point, whether he seems and come across that way or not, is encouragement. He wants to encourage them to do better. He wants to encourage them to reach more people. He wants to encourage them to live lives worthy of the calling they received. Whatever it may be, he's always encouraging them to be better. That's what I want to be. I want to encourage people through joy. I want to pray for people with joy. You know what the quickest way to change a bad relationship is? The quickest way to change it is to start with prayer. Because it obviously starts to change our heart first. When we're in an argument or disagreement with someone, the the best thing we can do is take a step back and pray. Because God will begin to check our heart. God will begin to check our motives. And it's important. You know, some of the the quickest ways to dissolve an argument in a marriage is to step back and say, let's pray. And that's hard, man. (laughs) Right? Are we going to be real today or you want me to be a fake preacher today? (laughs) I can come in here and be a cookie cutter if you want. I'm being real with you this morning. The hardest thing to do in some of those situations is pray, right? 
But it's what we have to create those habits that create happiness. If we want to be successful in our marriage, if we want to be successful in our relationships with others, we have to pray for them with joy, and we have to start with prayer. You know, I called my, my roommate from college the other night. It was Friday night, and this is my donut story. I decided at 7.45 at night to go to Krispy Kreme. And I looked up on the app that the hot light was on, and glory to God, God blessed, and indeed we did have warm, hot, fresh donuts and coffee. Um, God did provide. He was, yes. God provided. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That, that, that glorious hot, hot icing just dripping. Never mind. All right. Everybody go to Krispy Kreme today. Pastor Daniel said to make you happy. All right. That's not a habit of happiness you need to create in your life. Just saying. It might lead to, to results you not like, okay? But anyway, I called my roommate from, from college on Friday night, and I, I was kind of just seeing how he was doing, and he needed some prayer, and I needed some prayer, and we both just prayed. Man, that was a great time. When I left that conversation, even though it was on the phone, I felt like he was right there. He lives in Maine. I'm not going to Maine. I done told him that. It's too cold. I don't like cold. He said, yeah, we've had eight feet of snow in the last month. Like, yeah, that's why you should have stayed in Virginia. We get a couple inches and we're fine for the whole year. Uh, eight feet's a lot. But anyway, we were praying and, and my heart was just full of happiness and joy. Why? Because when people pray for each other and they pray for one another when they have a need, it encourages that bond of happiness. It encourages the relationship. And so when you pray with someone, it makes us happy. But not just praying with someone in and of itself, but praying with joy. And that's even harder to attain than just praying. You know, we often say, you know, we see somebody has a need, we're going to pray for them. And, and we, like, you know, we were talking yesterday, uh, we don't really pray for them sometimes when we say that. We're going to pray for them. But intentionally praying for someone with joy and expecting uh, God to move, with joy, with encouragement, it's important. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. If we want to be strong in our faith, if we want to be strong in our marriage and in our relationships with people in our community and with our church, where do we have to start? We have to start with the joy of the Lord because it's our strength. It's the only way we get through the day is from the joy of the Lord. If we don't start the day with the joy of the Lord, we start the day with the negativity of the enemy. We start the day looking out not so positive. So we've got to be careful because we can't do life unless we have the joy of Christ in our hearts. Why would people want to follow and why would people want to have anything that we have if we're miserable? What makes people want Christ in our life if all they see is negative, 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 negative? There's nothing appealing about that because I'm already miserable. The world is a miserable place. Would you agree? People are miserable. But I think the world's a great place. God's created so much. If you go outside in the nature, you can just start to understand and appreciate the joy of the Lord in creation. And there's so many great things about our God's creation. He created you. He created me. That's a great thing. We can be happy in that. Because why? God created us in His image. It's okay to be happy about that. Now, I'm not talking about pride and arrogance here, but I'm talking about being appreciative, being thankful, being joyful and happy about our life and the world. We have to share that hope and the happiness with the world. Why? Because they're hopeless. They're broken. They need hope. If they don't have it, what's the difference? 
Why do they need anything if it's no different? So there's a couple of things to pray for seen as Philippians 1. And the first thing is this. Pray for people that they will grow in love. Pray for people that they would grow in love. The second thing to pray for is that people would make right choices. The third thing is that people would live with integrity. So we're praying for people to grow in love, for people to make right choices, to live with integrity. And the last one is is the most important in that they will become more like Jesus. When you're praying with someone or praying for someone, I think the most important thing you could pray for is them to become more like Jesus. In fact, if you want to pray for me to become more like Jesus, go for it because I welcome it because I'd love to be more like Jesus every day. People shouldn't get offended by that, right? I want to be more like Jesus every day. I pray that you would become more like Jesus. Pray about our friends, our spouses, our children, everyone. Pray that they would become more like Jesus every day. So not only do we have to pray with joy for the people in our life, but we also have to expect the best from people in our life. Now this point was a little more more positive than I like to be. Just kidding. I mean, it's true, but... We have to expect the best from people in our life. Look what Paul said in verse 6. He said, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul is saying this, make a habit of believing in people instead of criticizing people. It's the first step for me in my upbringing to criticize somebody. I'm just telling you. It's the first step. So when I go to someone and talk to them, I have to be intentional and go back, take a step back and say, I have to be positive. I have to think what this might do. I have to expect people. Look, it says right here, expect the best. I'm confident of this. He who began a good work in you will carry it. It's not natural for us to do that. We have to work at it. It's not something that just happens. We have to work at it. We have to expect the best. Paul shared with us three ways. They expected the best from people. And the first thing is this. You, don't, you can write this down if you want. It's not in your notes. He believed in people. He gave people vision. And then he was patient with people's progress. He was patient with people's progress. A lot of times we rush through that. But he believed in, in this in people. He, he said he's confident. He, he rallied around it. What God started, he's going to finish. He's confident in that. He gave people vision. He said you're going to keep growing. God's going to keep working in your life. He's going to finish it until completion. There's a day coming where it's going to be done. And then he was patient with people's progress. Look, you're going to be miserable if you're looking for perfection. Every day in every situation. You're going to be miserable. Because people are imperfect people. We're not Christ. We're striving to be like Christ. But we're not perfect. People are going to let you down. If you are expecting progress from people before you can enjoy and appreciate them, then you aren't going to be happy. Rick Warren said that. If you are expecting progress before you can appreciate the person, then you're not going to be happy. That can go for all walks of life. We need to celebrate how far people have come rather than judging them for how far they still have to go. Did you hear that? It's hard to swallow, I know. It's about happiness, not conviction. 
celebrate how far people have come rather than judging them for how far they still have to go. The church is very guilty of that. Not necessarily you, just saying the church in general. The church is very guilty of that. When we have people come in our church, what do we do? Well, they don't look like us. They don't talk like us. They don't listen to music like us. They don't smell like us, act like us, be like us. They don't give like us. And we start to judge and criticize instead of encouraging. It's God's job. It's the Holy Spirit's job to change all those other things, right? It's not our job. Our job is to encourage. Our job is to lift up. Our God's just to share, job is to share the good news. And so we have to be patient with people's progress. You know, Canaan uh, often build me something with Legos or, or draw me a picture. Daddy, look. You know, I can crush that boy's spirit really quickly. Or I can lift it up very quickly. I can be joyful. I can be happy. I can be positive. I can expect the best from him. Why would I expect him to build a mansion out of Legos when he's three? Okay? But we can also apply that to other areas of life, other ages of children. When they come and, and show us something, it's like, wow. This is what I say to you. Wow, that's so great. He's like, yeah. Because he gets excited about it. He did something. He made his dad happy. And that's what we need to remember. God doesn't wait until we're perfect before He starts loving us. Why should we wait until other people are perfect before we start loving them? God didn't start <laughs> loving us when we weren't perfect. You're right, when we were perfect, excuse me. He put that cross on His back when we were imperfect. You know, if people aren't on your heart, they're on your nerves. Right? If you're not thinking about somebody and praying about somebody in the right state of mind, they can really get on your nerves. I'm guilty of that. Go away. <laughs> right? If they're not on your heart, they're going to be on your nerves. And so this is where God's love and God's grace comes in. I'm sure we get on God's nerves sometimes too, but He's gracious. He's merciful. Right? I don't even know if God has nerves. Anyway, <laughs> if people aren't on your heart, they're on your nerves. And if I want to get them off my nerves, I've got to get them on my heart. And so lastly today, as we close, Jesus tells us to love people in our life. Love the people in my life. And then in quotations and parentheses, I would add to that if you'd like. It's not in your notes. In comma, parentheses, whatever. Like Jesus does. Love people in my life cannot just stop there. Because many of us have been hurt by love in our life. Many people in here have been hurt by families. Many people have been hurt by church leaders and church people. If we just take human love, it's not good enough. If we just love people in our life, it's not good enough. We have to love with the love like Christ Jesus, the love of Christ. When we truly love people like Jesus, we have the ability to overlook their faults. You know what God sees when He looks down at you? God sees in you a perfect child of God covered by the spotless, pure blood of Jesus Christ because that's what you are to Him. You are a born-again child of God. And that's what He sees in you. 
Oftentimes we say, man, I'm just so a, such a failure. Man, I've just been struggling. I'm, I'm doing so bad. But God sees His creation. God sees a child of the living God. We love people. We have the ability to overlook their faults. 1 Peter 4.8 says this, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Forgiveness. Love. Then in 1 John 3.16 it says this, This is how we know what real love is, that Christ gave His life for us. So then, we ought to give our lives for others. Christ gave His life for us as the ultimate act of showing love in the people in, our, in His life. And we can do the same. Share that happiness with others. You know, some of the best times in my life have been when I've shared a meal with someone who was hungry. Or I've given someone who really needed gas in their car gas. And they've almost jumped for joy because they had no clue what was going to happen next. In fact, just a couple weeks ago, there was a lady that was on the side of the road. She was picking her son, a grandson up from, uh, from school right near, near my house. And she was walking to go get the, the kid, but her caution lights were on. I stopped and asked her what was. She had run out of gas picking up her grandson from daycare, uh, from school. And I'm like, how do I help this lady, right? Well, I have a five-gallon tank of gas sitting at the house, which is less than a mile away. So I just ran back and, and got it. I gave her a little note, you know, a little bit of money too. And I said, look, hey, here's a, you know, our church family would love to have you visit with us. I love you. You know, here's some gas. Help you get on your way. I'm telling you, those times when you when you take time out is when you experience the happiness and the love. When you're giving of yourself to others. And it's never convenient, right? We're always in a hurry to go somewhere to get to the next appointment or the meeting or you know, we have $20 less in our bank account that we really need to be giving people. Isn't that how it goes? But God's called us to a life of happiness and a life of joy. And if we really believe in Christ's love, we're going to be happy people. Happiness comes from love, service, and obedience. From the example of Christ Jesus, we know what happiness truly is. We know what love truly is. Would you stand today and pray with me as we close? Father, thank you so much today for these habits of happiness that the Apostle Paul wrote. Uh, God, in, in your holy, living, perfect, and active word, God, that, that ever changes our hearts. Work your, God, work your mighty power in our hearts right now. People that are struggling with these habits of happiness, Lord, people that are struggling with, with being happy and being positive, God, your word tells us that it's important. We want to serve and love others like you love us. And so, God, today, Help transform our hearts. Help transform our, our minds, God, because sometimes we can be stubborn. Help work on us, God, that we can see people for who they really are through your eyes. Because we will only love people when we love people like Jesus. So, God, today, help us as we go forward in this week. These habits of happiness, God, to transform others' lives by our response to love them like Jesus did. God, today we pray, Lord, for those uh, in the room, Lord, that may not know you. God, be real to them, just like you're real to us. Show yourself in a mighty way. 
so there's no way they can't see your magnificent power, your glory, your love, your grace for them. Because you created For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.